0: People will develop that book knowledge, yet for all their best intentions, they're not getting different results. They're getting the same outcomes, nothing's changing, and their frustration is increasing. So they're like, I know I should be doing this other thing, but I don't know how to get there. And so there's this gap of taking that knowledge and bringing it into action. Welcome to Innovation Talks.
1: Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us again. I hope you're having a great week out there And as we move into spring. My guest today is Rachel Wynn, and Rachel is a strategic product management expert and she helps product teams make decisions with confidence, and we kind of ran across Rachel at the wonders of of the the way of connecting people out there. We we ran across her in LinkedIn. I gave her a call and we talked a little bit, and she had so many great topics that she could talk about, but we have one we decided to talk about today, and that is research-driven innovation so rachel welcome to the show
0: thanks so much for having me i'm happy to be here
1: yeah how are you doing today
0: i'm doing great it's a beautiful day here
1: beautiful day and where where are you
0: i am in colorado
1: colorado springtime
0: springtime yes which means that it's 70 degrees today could snow tomorrow
1: (laughs) well thanks for joining us rachel you know when we think about that term well research-driven innovation, and then what does that mean?
0: Yeah, research-driven innovation really means that you're innovating, which let's define that first. Innovating is creating something yeah. new or doing something that's better, and that you're making those decisions based on what you're learning from the research that you're doing. We know that so many product ideas, I think like you know, 95% of product ideas fail, And so doing that research can help lessen the chances of failure that we have so that we're leading towards something that's going to get us better results that is actually going to be innovative and help our customers.
1: Okay, great, great. When you work with companies, how do you approach that topic? Where, where, you know, when you start and you say, okay, you really need to get better at that 95%, where where do you start?
0: The first step of innovation is developing empathy so that you can understand the pain that people are having. I know a lot of times people will describe it as defining the problem first, but I find that a lot of people don't know what the problem is. They have pain and they want that pain to go away. And so in, in talking to customers, then you can really understand what that problem is, deeply understand how they're experiencing that problem. Even before you, when you talk to customers, you can really deeply understand that pain that they're having. And the context around that pain, even before you understand what's causing that pain, and that's the problem that you need to solve.
1: Okay, yeah, I like that. Begin with empathy. You know, I really think that's we skip those steps, and I think they really. I like think that. we do
0: a lot. We skip those steps. Yeah, and I have an interesting background as a cognitive rehabilitation therapist, and wow. so I. I learned to do this very in a prior career when I walked into a patient's room and I, you know, I introduced myself as a cognitive rehabilitation specialist on this podcast, but I didn't introduce myself as anything when I walked into that patient's room because my true title is a speech language pathologist. Nobody knows what that is. Nobody knows what problems I can solve for them. So the only goal I had in that the initial moments of that conversation was to understand what's bothering you. <laughs> what can we work on? And then to figure out, okay, what's the problem behind that? Problems do we have to solve? And so I've pulled a lot of that work from that clinical care that I did into the work that I'm doing in products management.
1: Very nice. Nice connection there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when you you think about research, I mean, what does research mean? What types of research are there? Are we talking about research before we try to search for ideas? Are we talking about research after? Tell us what you think about that
0: yes we're talking about all of the research so if we think about all of the research so in developing that empathy we need to do customer interviews which is a type of research so that we can understand that pain people are having in defining that problem we want to get to that root problem that's also talking to customers it may be the same call as like you know developing the empathy you might be trying to do both of those at once And then once we understand that problem, now we're going into ideating solutions with our team. We also need research there. It's a little bit different. We might be looking at what solutions are available on the market, what's offered by competitors. So we can find out, okay, well, are the people we're talking to, have they tried those things? How have they not worked? We need to get familiar with those and we need to decide, okay, does it make sense for us to try to do something totally different than what they may be offering. Something that's similar, better, and more suited to our product and our customers, or something might be very, very similar. And so that market research and understanding our competitors is gonna help us there. And then we go back to customers at that point, and we've got a solution. And I like to go with a really, really messy, ugly solution. And yes, I'm showing customers really messy things. And the reason for that is I want it to be super clear that this is in no way a final product. Mm. You can be as cruel as you want, give me all the negative feedback. And that next phase, I think about that as concept validation. And the goal of concept validation isn't to know whether or not that solution is right. We need to talk to customers again to understand, do we understand that problem well enough to solve it? Because then those first conversations, we're talking about the problem, but we're just using words and right. words, have their, you know, have their own failure points. We've all experienced communication challenges. And so putting something visual in, some, in front of our customer, they can start to think about that, see another way of that solution, of that problem being presented to them, and we'll find out whether or not we understand it well enough. I've been in situations where I'm like, oh, no, I don't understand this well enough, got into something, went back to the drawing board, created some more solutions, then went back through validation. Other times, you know, it'll go smoothly through. And so then we move into prototyping, testing, finding out whether or not someone's going to buy if the solution is valuable enough for what we can feasibly build. All of that, again, is customer research. So it's
1: all the way through. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I really like this. I hadn't thought about it, but, you know, so many times we want to show a customer the, the best, most impressive visualization we can. And you said, no, don't worry about that. In fact, because they do conclude, well, that's it. I can't obviously give any ideas because that's, right? they figured it out, right? I like your yeah. approach there of let it be, let it be rough.
0: Let it be really, really rough. <laughs> and sometimes designers that I'm working with, they're like, oh, but I'm supposed to make it, you know, beautiful and feasible and useful. Like, I mean, I'm supposed to do all of those things. And I'm like, no, just make it ugly. Yeah, It's <laughs> yeah. a directive. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And so then someone will send me something. It's like, I'm still working on this. I'm like, no, 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 this is perfect. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's excellent, great great advice, yeah. So, as you're out there, are there certain types of companies that seem to be doing it better than others, or does everybody just kind of need some help?
0: You know, it depends. Um, We can look, I think we categorize companies a lot by different types of products, or different stages of funding, or how many employees they have. But in terms of whether or not the product management team is being strategic or if they're being very execution focused, doesn't seem to fall into any of those categories. Um, There's not a clear profile of, of where someone might be. It really depends on what is the makeup of that product team and overall, what's the maturity look like? What kind of skills have people brought in? And so they're are some very large companies that people would recognize the brand names of who still struggle at moving from this very delivery oriented to also thinking strategically and bringing research into the work that they're doing. And then there are companies that are much smaller that most people wouldn't recognize the names of who are doing this much better. And it just depends on who how they've built that product team.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. So, you know, you're talking about a lot of, Different types of research, really, is is the way you go about it different depending on where you are in that cycle?
0: So I have a lot of product managers that reach out to me and will want, like, you know, do you have a list of questions that you ask? Yeah, customers?
1: right. Give me the quick, give me the quick, easy yeah. thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> give me the checklist, like, you know, what right. like, what are the questions I should ask customers and customer calls? And it really depends. I have moved from instead of writing research questions that I'm Running down a list as I'm in a customer call. Mm -hmm. Instead, I write a list of things that I want to learn. And so, what do I want to learn from that call? I want to learn, for example, like who, like what does it look like for that person, the user of the product, to also work with other people? You know, that is a question I could ask in that form, or I could ask it in a different way. Who do you work with? How do you know it's time for that other person to jump in and? And work with you on this. What are some of the gaps that occur in communication? I mean, there's a lot of questions that I could ask, but I want to know what's the picture look like of people collaborating together.
1: Yeah, I like that. You're focused on why am I learning?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: That's a great idea because we all want to. We all want the questions. Just going with questions. Yeah. We forget about why. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we're going down a list of just questions. Then you get an answer. You're not sure if that not assessing mid-interview whether or not that answer is actually going to serve the purposes that you need it to serve. Can you do something with it? Is it going to be actionable for you? So if you're focusing on what you're learning or what you want to learn, then you can, before you move on to the next thing, you can say, well, do I understand that well enough yet from this customer's perspective?
1: Right. 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 You, you obviously have a lot of experience. What led you to now, I want to help others do this.
0: That's a really great question. What led me to help others? I don't know. I can't imagine not helping others.
1: There you go. Uh-huh.
0: I have been I've been someone who has been teaching and coaching for a really long time, whether it be in my clinical role, whether it be I learned something as a product manager and I want to show other people how to do it. I know you might be in situations where it's like someone new is onboarding and you know I'm the person who's helping and learn right. what product management is at the company, or I'm looking out for PMs with less experience or different experience. And it's like, oh, I'm doing I'm doing a SWOT analysis. I don't do a SWOT analysis all the time. Who can I have partner with me so they can learn how to do this too? I've I've been doing it all I've been doing it for so long that I decided to make it a full time thing for me.
1: Yeah, great, great. Get out there and help people. That's that's really that's really good. Cause I know, you know, product management. As a discipline, there's not a lot. It's fairly new. I mean, yeah, okay, you say we've been doing product management forever, but there's not a lot of training. There's not a lot of teaching out there. That's fairly new. And so I think your approach of let me help product managers in this way so they can understand what research is and and how to go about it, how to get started is is a real gap out there because everybody's talking about help you define the North Star or I'll help you define this, right? But you're talking about how to do the job.
0: Yes, exactly. What I've noticed is there's a lot of information out there that helps you develop those, that helps you develop the book knowledge around being a strategic products manager. And people will develop that book knowledge, yet, for all their best intentions, they're not getting different results. They're getting the same outcomes, nothing's changing, and their frustration is increasing. So they're like, I know I should be doing this other thing but I don't know how to get there. And so there's this gap of taking that knowledge and bringing it into action. And so that's where I really focus on as someone who is a cognitive expert, I'm thinking about how do people learn? It's knowledge plus doing that equals learning. And so how do I do that through the programs that I'm creating for teams? How do I do that in the coaching I'm doing for products managers? I'm always looking at how do I create that learning moment?
1: There you go. So what does a typical engagement look like when you work with a product? Do you work with one product manager? Do you tend to work with teams of product managers?
0: Yeah, so both. So I'll tell you what an individual products manager, what it looks like. So a lot of times a products manager will come to me and they'll say, I'm really burnt out. I'm overwhelmed. Mm. I don't know if product management is right for me. They are ready to throw in the towel. <laughs> so many conversations start this way.
1: Yeah, I know many people who could say that, you bet.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's not uncommon. And what I've found through so many of these conversations is that it, it happens to people within, I would say like the three to seven year mark in their career where their execution and delivery, they got it. They figured it out. It's very tangible. They've got a playbook for how they do that work. They've been trying to move into that strategic products management. They've started to get that book knowledge, but then there's that gap and they're not able to close that gap, which is then creating that frustration because they're holding on to like, you know, doing perfect work over here in delivery and execution. They want to be able to do that in strategy because they're a great products manager, but they can't quite yet. So a lot of conversations start with that. And so we dive in, try to figure out, okay. Again, that's the thing that someone's reporting. I'm looking at what are they actually? What's the actual problem? The problem isn't that they're burnt out. That's the symptom. What's causing the burnout? And so we go back to like what's causing the burnout, and you know, it's problems around prioritization. It's problems around communication, stakeholder engagement, those types of things. Prioritization, not just as what's going to go on the roadmap, but also how are they spending their own time as a product manager when sort start to work through some of those problems, then the transition is so beautiful. I love working with PMs in this area because they go from that burnt out, I don't know if I wanna do this anymore, to being really excited about the problems that they can solve as a product manager and dreaming big about what's next in their career.
1: Wow, that's very personally rewarding, I'm sure.
0: Really is, especially since I'm someone who was in that same situation and considered throwing in the towel myself and then was able to overcome it. And I was like, oh, no, I love products management. Wow.
1: wow. Wow. I was going to ask, if you think about either your own personal journey or maybe working with, with somebody else, is there a particular success story that you said, well, I'm just so proud of that or I, I, you really look back fondly on?
0: As a product manager myself, the things that I look, fond- look back fondly on are in those concept validation interviews that I talked about, where I'm testing to find out whether or not I understand the problem well enough to solve it. And what those interviews tend to look like is I'll do a little bit of discovery uh, to make sure that that person's experiencing the problem. So I might not have talked to them before. Then I'll start to pitch a little bit. And I'll say, oh, you know, you're not alone. I've talked to a lot of people. They're experienced the problem this way and I'll show them something so they can kind of think about it. And I'll ask, you know, does this resonate with you? What would you change? And the moments that I love the most are when a customer is will fist pump or will ask if I'm in their Slack messages, or uh-huh. I had one customer look behind the fake tree in a Zoom background and was like, are you here? Are you watching me work? <laughs> like when I can see someone that closely and that well, like I love yeah. it. So that's an instance that happens you know, as a product manager. And then also when coaching, when I'll say something to me feels like it's kind of simple, but it wasn't simple to me years ago. And they'll see the light bulb, turn on on someone's head and there's just this pause. And they're like, I hadn't thought about it that way. And then like another pause and I'm like, yes, I know that I have kicked off something that is going to continue after this session with them. They're gonna keep thinking about this. This is going to make them better.
1: How do people, how do they find you? How do they get started? You've got some great techniques here. What's that engagement model look like?
0: People reach out to me. Sometimes they get introduced to me. They find me online. That's how people are finding me. But if someone's interested in talking about what, you know, whether it be team coaching or team programs or individual, they can just connect with me on my website and schedule a discovery call or send me a message.
1: Yeah. And we'll definitely put links for that in the show notes. I can tell anybody listening, it's really easy to get a hold of you because it was for me. You were so <laughs> responsive bang. It was just, there it is. It was really, really, really great. Again, that empathy came out when you said you're talking to somebody and you said, you're not alone, right? You start with this level setting, which is very, gets people at ease. And I think that may be part of, part of the research oriented approach is before you just start diving in with intimidating stuff, you, you help people kind of relate to where they are in the process.
0: Yeah. If you were to sit back now, and just think about a challenge or a problem that you're having and think about what it is and then ask yourself, how do you feel about that? I mean, for me, when I think about a challenge I'm having, like my immediate response is to feel a bit of a hollow in my chest, like it doesn't feel good. And then like, you know, my chest starts to rise up into my throat. I'm a little bit embarrassed by the fact that I have this challenge. Why haven't I overcome this challenge yet? but I am a human and I am a person who is constantly learning as is everybody else. And so I love that level. Whenever I can offer that level setting of like, this is a problem. So many people have experienced. It's a problem I've experienced. I can help you through this. Then I will hundred percent do that.
1: Yeah. There you go. So when we talk about this type of, of research driven innovation, are there certain industries or types of businesses that you're focused on? I think You and I talked about B2B, right? As opposed to B2C at one point. Tell me more about where your focus is in in that.
0: Yeah, B2B SaaS companies, mostly in the growth stage. That's the point where I find that people, the product teams are starting to grow and starting to think about doing more, starting to think about getting better results and are ready and eager for making this change toward thinking about strategic product management as well as that delivery focus.
1: Okay, okay. So maybe they have a product out or they've had some success already, but they need to kind of get to that next level of capability. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, they could be launching a new product. They could be growing their team. They could be working with more cross-functional partners in different ways and realize that they need to level up their strategic um, product thinking and action.
1: Yeah, yeah and you know we talked about kind of validating ideas we talked about that that front end of ideas when you see companies go through this transformation where they they kind of move from guessing and not really sure to they kind of have a process now of of a research oriented thing a way of understanding where their problems are does it spark more innovation for them or more ideas? Is that what you see happen as a result of it? Or, or is it that they, they get better at the ideas or is it all of the above?
0: What I love to see happen as companies dive into research when it, through this ideation process is it doesn't impact is that it doesn't stay just in the idea phase. It doesn't stay just in products, doesn't stay in design and engineering, but it actually reaches out and you're able to share information with cross-functional partners and sales and marketing throughout the organization. You know, customer success to help them better understand what that problem is we're solving and what the vision is and what that does for them is it empowers them to be better resources to the customers that they're talking to. And also to gather information and bring it back to the product team, that would help funnel it back into that research that's being done. It's this beautiful cycle that starts to occur. That that I love. That that is I love to see that impact research impacts impacting across the company.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because it is a it's hard enough to do these things alone. Never mind cross functional when you have a lot of different stakeholders who can really help make a better product we tend to want to ignore them right
0: yeah they can help and they can benefit from the research that we're doing
1: yeah there you go there you go well you know we've covered a lot of ground here in such a short time rachel what did i miss what was you seeing? i don't want you to hang up from this this fun interview and say <laughs> ah we should have talked about this
0: <laughs> well a couple of problems that i can, can talk about a couple of problems i see in research yep Couple of big problems that people that I see either people or teams making in research is number one, they're not doing enough research. They're waiting until after they build something to find out whether or not customers like it and will buy it and if it solves their problems or they're not thinking about problems at all. Or they might be doing some research, but they're really focused on usability research and whether or not the solution's going to be usable. This is a great place for companies to start. A lot of companies start with usability research, but that usability research isn't going to tell you if you've solved the problem for the customer or if they're going to purchase the problem that you solved or the solution to solve their problem. So that's one problem. On the other side is too much rigor in research. So I'm someone who's worked in academic research labs doing cognitive communication research. I'm skilled at reviewing research journals or research articles and journals and assessing research methodologies, I never use that level of rigor in the product research that I'm doing. That level of research is relying on statistical significance and my sample size for product research is way too small. I'm not going to achieve statistical significance. So instead of focusing on rigor, I'm really focusing on learning more about the people and deeply understanding them so much that I understand their context and their stories that I can imagine what the solution would look like in their life that we're building. Um, that I feel like is really powerful research, even when you can't reach statistical significance. In this case, I just argue against. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but but know the know these people better than they know themselves. That's kind of an odd saying, but know know their business problem better than they know it. Perhaps is a better way yes. to, to say it. Yeah. Well, Rachel, where do you see things going in, in the next five years or maybe even shorter than that? What's what's on the horizon?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think AI is top of mind for every product all manager, right. not just yeah. like how can we bring it into the products that we're building, but also what does it mean for our jobs? And wh- how is it going to impact our jobs? AI is being built into all sorts of tools. Should we be using it as product managers? I think that... AI is, you know, AI has some great capabilities right now. It can help with gathering information and doing surface level analysis and help you gather immense amount of data where you don't need to ask it a lot of questions, but you need to try to get some, you know, get some answers. But what AI is not going to be able to do very well is to go deep. And so the the things I've talked about deeply understanding your customers, AI is not going to be able to do that, at least in the near term. And so that's where product managers, I think, really need to focus on developing their skills and look for opportunity for where AI can do some of the other surface level work so they can focus more on some of this deep work. And that's it's for the case of you know how is it going to impact a product manager's job? But also if we think about a product manager's job as someone who cuts through the noise and creates and communicates a strategy, that's gonna be even more valuable as AI technology is brought into more things because it's already making the world noisier. There's going to be a lot of noise to carve through. And so product managers really need to be able to do that so they can get past the noise that AI is creating if they want to solve human level problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really interesting about the, the noise of AI, because I think we're all feeling it now for sure. Yes. We did a webinar recently, and one of our marketing people asked chat GPT some just questions about a topic to see what it would come back with. And then we thought, okay, well, let's see how we might use some of those in the, in the webinar. You know, so just some additional information. And to me, in that example, it's an assistant right? No way is it going to yes. take away the job. But it is, it's like I look at it as a research assistant. I could say, hey, what do you think about this? Or do you have any perspective on that? And it'll give me it. And then I have to use my own brain and my own totally. knowledge, my own experience, right? To do something with it. I think that's, that's probably going to be in your world as well, a product manager's world, right? Same thing?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I've been playing with generative AI to see what it can and can't do for me mm-hmm. in terms of strategy work hitting the limits regularly (laughs) of what it can't do for me. Yeah, But you know, what I think about it is I work remotely now, but when I worked in an office, I used to turn to the person next to me and say, Hey, I'm trying to think of a word for this, or I'm trying to do this. What's another way I could do this. Or can you take a look at this? Does this make sense? And generative AI is helping. It's a great assistant in those particular cases when I just need like another input. this moment. And it also saves me from enter- pinging someone on Slack in this moment, if I can ping the, ping generative AI and get an answer that's like, oh yeah, that helps move, move me forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You're the first person I've spoken to who's kind of looking at it with that light. That's really, really helpful, especially for, for the product manager's view of it, right? Because nobody knows where it's going.
0: Yes. I'm excited to find out.
1: Yeah. And let us know. We're going to follow you. You're going to teach <laughs> us. You're going to show us. <laughs> yeah.
0: What I'm what I'm really excited about with AI is I think that it's going to it comes more and more in our role. It's going to be a moment where we're going to have to ask questions about what does it mean to be human and what does it mean to solve problems for humans? And that, I think, is a really interesting catalyst for like how we approach everything and reshift and shifting our mindset. I'm a big a reader of science fiction and like you know science fiction's great at doing that as well, right? And I think in our reality, like there's gonna be an opportunity for that conversation to come up more and more.
1: Yeah. And going all the way back to your early background before you, you got into product management, right? That experiences you had and that training you had and, and and all your the work you did then, it's wrapping back around, isn't it? It's you can apply that now to what you're seeing on AI. So that's so cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's a there's thread that goes through all the work that I've done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe you say I wanted to get away from it, but here it is. <laughs> oh, Rachel, this has been a lot of fun. I'm sure glad you stopped by to talk to us. It was, it was really great to kind of get your perspective.
0: Thank you for having me. This was an absolute blast.
1: Yeah. So, so I think we said it earlier, but you know, what are the best ways for people to reach out to you? Let's just, just finish with that again so they know how to find you
0: yeah i mean go to my website or follow me on linkedin on my website you can there's a you can reach out to me via the contact form or schedule an intro call if you're interested in what i'm doing
1: yeah what is that website
0: winproductconsulting.com
1: okay and we'll have it in the show notes yeah so w-y-n-n yes great well rachel i love to catch up with you again and see, especially on the AI side, as you make progress around that, that's going to be really fun to talk about. So, so do keep in touch and, and maybe kind of come back and give us a, give us an update on some of that in the not too distant future.
0: Will do. That would be great.
1: Have a great week and, and, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Rachel. To our listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed that. This is a person who really is is doing some fun stuff and and i didn't know we were going to get into that ai question at the end and that is just so it's a space we really need to watch and and i think rachel's approach on it is very very pragmatic and helpful so it's going to be fun to to keep uh, a tabs on how she goes forward with that take care everybody i wish you a great week ahead we'll talk to you next time bye for now thanks for joining us this week for innovation talks with paul heller If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.